Happy Tuesday, everybody. Here it is, Tuesday, July the 6th, 2021. And on Tuesdays, we play an old-time radio drama. Hi, everybody. This is Bob Bro. Welcome to the best old-time radio podcast for Tuesday, July the 6th. And uh, we're happy to have you along. Like I said, we have a drama today, and we've got a good one. We're going to do an episode of uh, Suspense, and I'll tell you all about that in just a moment. So what we'd like you to do now is to get comfortable in that big recliner over there, or that, uh, that big comfortable easy chair, get your feet up, maybe get yourself a little something cool to drink, and just relax and let the pressures of the day go away. Because we're coming right back at you with this week's episode of Suspense, our old-time radio drama. pretty good episode of Suspense for you tonight. It originally aired back in uh, 1947 on September the 11th. That date will always pop out at you, won't it? September 11th. This one features Michael O'Shea, who is an actor I really enjoyed, and I remember him from when I was a kid in a TV program entitled uh, It's a Great Life. And I remember that show featured Frances Bavier, who later went on to become Aunt B on Andy Griffith. And I remember when Andy Griffith's show started, I thought, she's not Aunt B, she's Amy on It's a Great Life. I used to love that show, It's a Great Life, and I looked back and I was only in kindergarten, first grade when that show was on. Maybe all the way up to second grade. I think it was on for three years, three seasons. We'll talk a little bit about that in Michael O'Shea at the, uh, at the end of this episode of Suspense. The name of this episode is The Twist, and it features Michael O'Shea as a radio comedy writer who commits murder to keep his writing partner from leaving the business. As the episode opens, Gus Green explains that 12 years earlier he drove a cab for a living and he spent his time daydreaming. Then he met radio gag writer Van Hauser. Gus convinced him to give him a chance as a situation writer. The two of them suddenly became a hit together, but separately they bombed. Gus was determined to stick with Van no matter what, but then a problem develops. Van announces that he's going to get married and he's leaving the act. Michael O'Shea plays Gus and I think you're going to enjoy this one. So here it is from September 11th, 1947, Suspense, The Twist.
And now, radio's outstanding theater of thrills... Suspense! Tonight, Roma Wines of Fresno, California, bring you Michael O'Shea in The Twist, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Shenley by William Spear. Listen, Gus, you've got to do the show. I can't do it. You've written for all the big comedians. You'd turn out a hit. I don't have the time. Oh, but Gus... Look, I don't have the time. Anyways, I, I couldn't do it. Ridiculous. A guy with your reputation. Yeah, a guy with my reputation, yeah. What do you know? Listen. Twelve years ago, I was under cabs. Gustav Green, the hack license read. Cripes how I hated the cabs. Work like a slob, 12 or 14 hours a day for a lousy 27 bucks a week. Now, do you blame me that I took the daydreaming? Like, like maybe it was my limousine and I was driving because my chauffeur had a day off? <laughs> I used to sit at the wheel figuring out the darndest situations. Like I'd pick up some rich old dame and she'd leave me a million bucks or, or I'd save a guy. All, all kinds of situations. But all I got was 27 per a week. Until the night I met Fan. Hey, Cab. Cab it. Take me home, driver. Home? Your home or my home, wise guy? Huh. Wait, well, you got talent and you're driving a cab. Where can I get a job driving a cab? You want the radio on? No, definitely no. Oh, now, don't let's be bitter, shall we? You know, radio is quite a median. Yeah. Just think, some guy says a few words into a microphone and you can hear it as far west as Georgia. Gustav Green? Well, well, Mr. Green, meet Van Hauser, the best gag man in the radio business. Currently freelancing, unemployed. On the beach. Well, if you're so good, why aren't you in there writing them yaks, wise guy? Why? Because words I know. Rip-tickling words. Gags, yeah. Jokes to make a corpse laugh. But plots. Situations. Situations? Yeah, that's another story. I could I could coin a million if I could figure them well, out. Well, look, situations. Now, let me tell you, I am a veritable Shahrazadi on situations. I got a million. Now, look. Uh, uh, for instance, the guy who says that if other fellas... I don't know, something clicked between me and Van Hauser. From the beginning, I always hated his guts, the way he talked to me like I was dirt. But up in his room, I started feeding him stories, stuff I dreamed up on the cab. He put it, into, put it into good words, and it came out very funny, too. Well, inside a couple of years, I was getting 1,500 bucks a week, but I was tied to that guy. I couldn't work with nobody else. I'd sit down with another gag writer, and nothing would happen. Yeah, I knew it was Van, all 40 bucks a week. In some broken down job. So, so I hung on to him like a barnacle. I worked with him, ate with him, played with him. My place was just down the hall from his at the hotel. Sometimes I thought I'd go nuts if I had to look at his sneering ugly puss another day. And the, the only satisfaction I had was that he needed me and hated me just like I needed and hated him. But one day while we were writing a spot for Schmo for a day, he chose me a very unfunny line. Gus, my goon boy, you, uh... May be interested to know that I'm going to marry Julie Phelps. Julie Phelps, a dancer? That's right. Hmm. Used to be the club Catalina. She uh, making trouble for you? Cut it. All right, all right. I didn't say nothing against her. All right, you better not. Okay, go ahead and enjoy yourself. Well, thanks. So, Gus, my cornball colleague, we uh, we may not be seeing so much of each other, hence. Oh, now look, you don't mean that, but uh, hey, now wait a minute. What's going to be with our partnership here? Well, we'll see. I'll, uh, I'll talk it over with Julie. No, no, Van. Now, look, I mean it. We've always done what we wanted to. Loafed all day, worked all night, ate and slept at any crazy hour. Mm. Now, no dame is going to stand for that. Huh? Julie is different. No dame is different. Yeah, she knows how we operate. 
And uh, she knows you guys. Yeah, and she's not exactly crazy about me, neither. Uh-huh, I was just coming to that. Now, uh, if you want to stay in with me, be nice to her. Huh? It won't do no good. Listen, Vance, she'll make trouble between us. See, she'll work Pardon. on that as soon as the knot is tied. I said... Now, that. listen to me. I'm your pal, Van. A dame like that is hard busy. You know what the club cattle well, is? She wasn't exact. Gus, Julia's one in a million. A joke man like you comes a dime a dozen. Okay, okay, if that's the way you feel. That's the way I feel. Pardon me for having any feet, hey. All right, just be nice to her. No cracks. Okay, so I'll be nice. Now, look. About Sunday show. I we said get... be nice to her. If you're not, Gus, we're finished. Yeah, I said I'd be nice, but I knew it wouldn't do no good. Julie was a small-town girl who soured on Broadway after she had a bust-up with Nick Edwards, the, the mug who runs the club Catalina, and she wanted out. And she was going to take Van with her, too. So it came to me that I'd better figure out a situation and pronto. She didn't like me because she was a scared of me. I knew about her and Nick Edwards, and Van didn't. So I says to myself, I says, Gus, maybe the dame will scare away, hey. Van? Oh, Gus Green, what a surprise. <laughs> Hello there, Julie. Yeah, this is for you. Flowers? Yeah, yeah, Van told me about you too, see, and I figured... Oh, they're lovely. Come on in, Gus. Thanks. I miss flowers so much in the city. Back home, the garden's always full of them. Yeah, yeah. Say, this is a nice place you got here. Thanks. Yeah, very swanky. Uh, wasn't that chair once in the lobby of the Club Catalina? Well, I, I bought it when they redecorated the place. Oh, sure, sure you did, honey, but it, it just reminded me. About what? I just happened to see your friend Nick Edwards today. I haven't seen Nick in months. Oh, sure you haven't, honey, but he's still carrying the torchola for you. I'm not interested. No, I didn't say you were, but uh, you might be interested in the fact that Nick said, if Van Hauser marries Julie, so help me, I'll kill him. Did he say that? Now, would I lie, honey? Well, that settles it. I've had enough of show business. Van and me are going back home. Oh, no, no, you, you can't do that to Van, Julie. This is his life. What's he going to do in a small town? I don't care. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of all the cheap characters, the bums and the hangers-on. If I want him to, Van will come with me. Oh, look, maybe he would. Well, I'm, I'm sure he would, but, Julie, what I, what I really wanted to say was, why don't you give me a few days? I'll go talk to Nick, and who knows, maybe I can fix the whole thing up. Would you, Gus? I'd like to stay for Van's sake. I'd like to see him get a good job with regular hours. Maybe an advertiser. Sure, sure. Nick will listen to me. Well, at least I can try, huh? Thanks, Gus. You're nice. I didn't know. <laughs> and, and, and then I got another idea. What's that? Maybe the three of us could all work together. Oh, I can't write. I can type. Well, we need a secretary. We could dictate our stuff to you. I don't know shorthand. Uh, you don't have to. After all, what is a comedy script? Along the left-hand side of the page, you put the name of the character, and then you write out what he's supposed to say. Simple? Sounds simple. Oh, you could spend more time with Van. How would you like to try? I'd love to. Gus, it would be wonderful. Sure, it'd be wonderful. For me. When she said she'd work with us, Julie was playing a part in a situation that I dreamed up. And let me tell you, it was a good one. Because it ended with me still making a grand and a half per week and Julie Phelps... Well, Julie Phelps was just not there. Uh, music chaser and a commercial. Credits and sign off. Got that, darling? Every word, Mr. Hauser. Well, Van, how do you like our new secretary? Oh, she's good, Gus. How come you had such a swell idea? Huh? <laughs> Gus, if this works out, I'll be the happiest person alive. Oh, no, you won't, Julie. I will. Now, come on. I'd like to try dictating. Mm-hmm. Ready? Okay, take a clean sheet of paper. Mm -hmm. 
Here's a gag sequence for the Fred Benton show. Oh, look who's writing gags. Don't laugh. Genius. <laughs> now, look, Fred's talking to Mrs. Mishmash, mm-hmm. and she starts oh, no. reading the wrong page of the script, you see? Yeah. Ready? Let's go. Mrs. Mishmash, please don't laugh at me. Mm-hmm. I think we've made a mistake. Uh, mistake. Uh-huh. Now, Fred Benton, I know I have. I have. Mrs. M, let's start all over from the beginning. Oh, over from the beginning. Fred, right. if you love me... You will. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah. No, no, you that's will. charming. No, oh. this is Mrs. Mi- Am I going too fast? No, no, that's Okay, fine. this is Mrs. Mishmash again. Mm-hmm. I would do anything for you. Anything for you. Fred, he says, mm-hmm. I mean, he says, I would like to see you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm bored. Okay. Oh. Mrs. M again. Let's talk this over. How about mm-hmm. tonight? How about tonight? Yeah. Fred, when? At midnight. Midnight. Mrs. M. Come, come. I'm waiting for you right now. You right now. Did you get it all? Mm-hmm. Good. Type oh, it right wait, up. wait, wait, wait. What's wait. the matter? Don't bother, Julie. We couldn't use that corn even on the Benton show. All right, wise guy. Give it to me, Julie. I'll file it under sustainers. Look, if you're going to fight, I'm not going to work for either of you. Van, be a dear and get me a pack of cigarettes downstairs, will you? All right, honey. Uh, Gus, don't try to write any more of those charming gags. Get lost. Gus? Yeah? Did you get anywhere with Nick? Well, uh, yeah, Julie. He's softening up, but uh, he, he wants to see you. Gus, I don't want that man near me. Now, look, you... Don't see him. You better start wearing black for Van. You know Nick Edwards. I know Nick wouldn't stop at killing, but I... Now, I... now listen, Julie. I, I, I haven't got time to argue with you. Now Van will come back. But why don't you come to my place tomorrow night at 11? I'll run into Van for sure. Well, then come before 8 and wait for me. We'll have rehearsals till then. What about Van? Tell him you're going to sleep early or well, something. What if he calls anyway? I'll cover you. I'll probably be with him anyhow. He must never know about Nick. I get it. I get it. Now listen, Julie. You just leave everything to me, and in a couple of days... You won't have to worry about Nick Edwards again. Yeah, just leave everything to me and you won't have to worry about anything anymore, Julie Phelps. Not even your own funeral. Come eight o'clock the next evening, I paid a little visit to my apartment. Long enough to see that Julie was comfortable and also to get the keys to her place out from her handbag. I drove over there and went upstairs to do some interior decorating. My kind. Gonna take Van away from Broadway, are you? Gonna send me back to 40 bucks a week in a pig's ear, you are, Julie Phelps. Get that? In a pig's ear. Now, just one more touch to complete the situation. A little business outside the club, Catalina. Hey, kid, hey, kid, come here. Here, listen now. Here's a dime, kid. Take this note in this here envelope and give it to Nick Edwards. And if anyone asked you, say a game, a dame gave it to you. Got that? A beautiful dame. You got it from a beautiful dame, right? Look, Gus. Gus, no more work. Let's knock off. What's the matter, Van? You tired? No, no, no. Well, what's eating you? Oh, you wouldn't understand. All right, so don't tell me. I don't care anyhow. All right, it's Julie. Said she had to go to bed early tonight. So what? It ain't legal? I called a half dozen times. No answer. Uh-huh. Afraid she's two-timing you, I huh? didn't say that. Yeah, but I know how you feel. Yeah, well, mind your own business. Look, my friend, I'll do you a good turn. Leave me dialed the number for you. The number's on the pad. Let's see what your fat fingers can do. Okay. You could talk to her while I go down to my room to get my hat and coat. I'll take you for a drive before we hit the sack. Well, sometimes you're even human. Okay, here, take it. It's ringing now. I'll be right back. I'll see. 
Julie, darling. Ben. Honey, I'm, oh, I'm sure glad to hear your voice. Where you been? Why? Well, I've been trying to get you all evening. No answer. Then, then Gus tried Bad, to dear, I told you. I, I, I was going home to get some sleep. But when I phoned, you well, must have... Maybe, maybe it didn't wake me. Well, now, baby, that's hardly likely with a phone right Shh. near your bed. Sometimes I, I, I sleep. Julie. I, I, I can... Julie, is there someone there with you? Of course not, Van. I'm alone. I'm by myself. I'm... What are you... No. Julie. Van! Julie! Van! Ju- ah! Julie, what's the matter? Julie! Julie! A very neat situation, your granite warden. Sure. Julie being killed in her apartment two miles away, Van hearing it over the phone, and me in the next room to him at the hotel. You like it, huh, warden? Yeah, I like it too, and I did it. That was a very sensational situation. Van was still screaming into the phone when I came down the hall from my place a minute later with hat and coat draped over my very shaking arm. I opened the door. Gus. Hmm? Gus, something's happened to Julie. Huh? Something's happened to Julie. Well, how do you know? Did you get her? Yeah, yeah, she answered the phone. But, so? Well, she sounded funny, like there was someone in the same room, and then suddenly she sounded like she was hit or choked or something. Well, maybe it's just a gag she was pulling. You know, dames do that sometimes. You, you think so? Why, sure. No, 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 it couldn't be. I heard her, Gus. Gus, what should I do? Now, come on, keep your shirt on, the Van. she screamed. Did you call her back? No, no, I didn't. Well, why don't you? That's right. That's right, call her back. That's what I'll do. Sure. Of course I'll call her. Hand me your phone. Yeah, yeah. Something's happened. I know it has. Line busy? No, no, no answer. Yeah, but you just spoke to her a minute ago. Gus, I'm worried. I'm worried sick. I get it. She's all right. Come on out for a ride. Oh, no, I couldn't. Look, tell you what I'll do for a pal. I'll drive you over there. You can check up for yourself. Van looked pretty grim as we drove over to Julie's place in the West 70s. I checked over everything I'd done and figured how I'd work out the rest of the situation. And we turned off Central Park West into the side street where Julie lived on the second floor of a converted brownstone. Hey, look, there's a guy coming out of the house. That's probably nobody. He's making a getaway. Gus, follow him. I never catch him now. Gosh, Gus, if you'd only got close enough to see his license number. Well, I did. What was it? LK-573-498. LK-573-498. All right, Sam Spade. Now let's go upstairs and visit Julie, huh? The door to Julie's apartment was wide open when we got upstairs, and the place was just like I left it, like there'd been some kind of a fight. And then, then I saw where I'd made a mistake. The telephone where Julie was supposed to be strangled was as neat as a pin. I watched Van's face to see if he noticed it, but, well, he was too broken up to notice anything. Julie. Julie. Because she was a sweet kid. What do you mean, was? I know. She's dead. What do you know? All you see is that her apartment is all busted up. I heard her scream, didn't I? Gus, I waited 20 years to meet a girl that I could marry. So help me, I'm not going to die till the guy who did this is in his grave. You'll see. You'll see, Gus. I'm kind of mixed up now, but in a little while I'll be able to think. I'll know what to do. Sure, I'll know what to do. Look, that's the telephone. Uh, what about the telephone? I'm going to call the police. Uh, no, Van, now wait a minute. Don't be crazy. What? Look, put the telephone why, down. Why shouldn't I call the police? It's very simple. You got no evidence she was murdered. But I heard a scream. Use your eyes, Van. Will you use your eyes? Julie said she was in bed. Has the bed been slept in? And where's her coat? Where's her poison? Where's her hat? They're not here, but she said she... 
You're right, Gus. You're right, I won't phone. Maybe she's still alive. That's better. Now, look, Van, sometimes uh, we haven't felt too good towards each other, but after all, we've been partners for a long time, kid, and I'll tell you what, I'll do anything, anything you say to help you out. All right, then, look. Look, just on an off chance, Gus, trace that license plate, will you? Let's find out who that guy was. We went back to our hotel. I slept like a log because I knew that Julie was ten feet from my bed in the closet, very dead where she couldn't come between me and Van anymore. Next morning, I told Van I checked at the license bureau. Whose car was it? Nick Edwards. Catalina Edwards? That's right. Why, that dirty goon, now, I'd look, like... you don't think that he... I don't have to think. I'll let the police... Now, wait thing. a minute. Hold it. Look, Van, I, I, I never told you this before, but I knew all along that Julie was playing around with Nick Edwards. With Nick Edwards? Yeah. That's why I never liked her. Now, you better not call the cops... Maybe we was just busting in on a private little party no, last no, night. No, 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 I can't believe it. No, not Julie. Well, we got to find out where she is. And the guy who knows is Nick Edwards. What makes you think he'll tell? I'll tell you what. I'll call him at the club tonight and ask him over. I think maybe he'll accept me invitation. Well, Nick arrived at 11 p.m., from my window, I watched him park his black car in a dark side street near the hotel, just like I told him to. Then I carried Julie's body down the back stairs and put it in the luggage compartment of Nick's car. Nobody saw me. And a few minutes later, I knocked on Van's door. That's you, Gus? Come in. Hiya, Van. Hi, Nick. Good evening, Gus. Nick was just telling me, Gus. I look, I'm just as worried about Julie as you guys are, see? Yeah. That's easy to say. Okay, okay. Don't take my word for it. But I've had her house called every half hour all day. Why'd you go there last night in the first place? You haven't been around long, have you? Never mind that wise guy. Why'd you visit my girl? Who said she was your girl? She was engaged to me. She was tired of you. Why, you... Sit no down. Good... She told me so herself. When? Yesterday. Then you saw her yesterday, Nick? No. No, I ain't seen her since she quit working at the club and started to pal around with your friend here. But you just said that... Julie was the only gal who ever had me on the rope, see? But when she called it quits, I went along. She was too good for an ex-con like me anyway, I figured. But the last night, someone gives me a note in her handwriting. Oh? What did the note say, Nick? Uh, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I read it over and over until I knew it by heart. Please don't laugh at me. I think we made a mistake. I know I have. Let's start all over from the beginning. If you really love me, you will. I love you. I'll do anything for you. I'd like to see you. Let's talk this over. How about tonight? When? At midnight? Come. Come, I'm waiting for you right now. As soon as Nick Edwards left, I told Van I didn't believe anything he said, and as far as I was concerned, Nick either killed Julie or had taken her away. Van agreed with me, and we called the police. Ah, oh, yes, it all made a perfect situation. The best I'd ever dreamed up. All of Nick Edwards' high-powered lawyers couldn't save him from being sentenced to the chair. Yes, sir, life looked pretty sweet, but... There was just one thing wrong. Van's comedy was getting worse and worse. Fred Benton told us we'd have to get better or else. Now, we sat in Van's room, sweating out a Benton program that was a day overdue. 
Van, Van, for the love of Mike, will you pull yourself together? Of course, I, I can't think. You don't have to think. I gave you the whole situation. All you got to do is write the gags for it. Gags. Now, look, look. In the first scene, Fred and Mrs. Mishma steal a horse. But here's the twist. The horse is blind. You get it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, come on, then, Gib. You know hundreds of horse gags. Now, just give them a twist and fit the situation. I can't. They just won't come. Look, if we don't get this script in tomorrow, Fred will can us. Now, come on, guy. Will you write? Oh, write yourself. Van, you know I can't write. I'm no good without a right, gag, get man. Get yourself another gag, man. I'm through. Look. Washed up. You know it won't work, Van. You know that. I've tried it on the QT. I was afraid that someday would break up, but it never worked. With you and me, Van, something happens. We're a great team. Without me, you're just another guy making with words. Without you, I'm just another Joe. Now, don't you see, kid? That's why we gotta stick together. Even if we do hate each other's guts. That's why nobody can't never break us up. Now, come on, guy, write, will you? I can't think of anything. Look, haven't we got something in the files, files. we haven't used? You, you had a scene you dictated to Julie. What was that? Huh? That Mrs. Mishmash uh, no, or something. No. Fred, was it please don't laugh at me or something? I, I think we made a mistake. No, 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 no Van, look, I, that's a no-good situation. That's hey, dead. Let's get something Gus, new here. it's a good situation. No, um... A very clever situation. All I need are the lines. Please don't laugh at now, me. Now, Van, I'm telling the you, it's lines, no good. The lines, the lines, please don't laugh I'm at me. I'm telling you, it's no good, of Van. Of course, why didn't I think of that before? Those lines you dictated to Julie, they fit. No, they don't fit. And besides, I can't ride gags, you know oh, that. that wasn't a gag, Gus. That was a situation. The most desperate situation you ever invented. Now, wait a minute. What are you beating your gums about You'll here? You'll find out. What are you going to do? Operator, I want to speak to Inspector Martin at police headquarters. Get away from that door, Gus. I got a gun. Now, don't shoot, Van. Wait a then minute. Listen don't, and don't move. Police headquarters, Inspector Martin. Oh, Inspector Martin, this is Van Hauser of the Julie Phelps case. Hey, I've been trying to get... Edwards didn't kill Julie. Gus Green did. And I got proof. That makes it even worse. Edwards says you framed him. Green did. Nick's note was a script dictated to Julie, minus the character names. How about his alibi? He dialed his own number, Inspector, not hers. And killed her while she was speaking on the phone. To make things look right, he messed up her apartment. I never could quite figure out why there were no signs of struggle around her telephone. Now I know. Yeah, he must have stowed her body in Nick's car. Better send some cops over right away before I shoot him. Well, they're coming over, Hauser, to protect you. Edwards broke out about an hour ago. Watch out for him. Nick Edwards? Yes. Yes, Nick Edwards. Huh? Edwards. All right, Hauser, come across with that gun. Nick, come on. Nick, you heard what I said, didn't you? So what? I, I didn't frame you. Gus did. He's the guy with a situation. So what? You took my girl away from me, didn't you? No. All right, give me that gun. Now, now, Nick, wait a minute. Nick, what are you going to do with nothing that? Nothing except uh, give me that gun, Hauser. Don't let him get that gun, Gus. I'm a little too quick for you, Gus. Now, now, Nick, please. Now, don't shoot me. Let me tell you how this Cut was all... I've had a belly full of your stories. They put me in jail, remember? They're all stuffed to me now, see? But like they say, there ain't no situation that can't take a new twist. Here's the twist to this one. You ain't going to die for the murder of my poor Julie. No, no. You're going to die for something you didn't do. Uh, what What do you mean, Nick? Just this. <laughs> the murder of Van Hauser. Well, they, they didn't believe me at the trial. So I'm up for killing my late, unlamented partner. But you know me, I always like a twist. They got Nick for killing Julie. Now I guess you can understand why I can't write the prisoner's annual show, can't you, Warden? Not without Van. And besides, like I said, I don't have too much time, do I? 
before I go to the chair. Suspense. The Twist, starring Michael O'Shea. In the coming weeks, Suspense will present such stars as Claire Trevor, Kirk Douglas, and others. Make it a point to listen each Thursday to Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. From September 11th, 1947, that was Suspense. The name of that episode was The Twist. Michael O'Shea was born on March 17th, 1906 in Hartford, Connecticut. His career spanned many years. He started off, um, well, it says he dropped out of school at age 12 and began his acting career in vaudeville by touring with boxing idol Jack Johnson's show. O'Shea went on to become a comedian, and he was an MC at speakeasies back in the Prohibition days. He put together his own dance band entitled Michael Shea and His Stationary Gypsies. He later broke into radio in the legitimate stage, where he was billed for a time as Eddie O'Shea. His performance in the 1942 play The Eve of St. Mark led to a string of film roles. See, he received honorable mention for his performance as Barbara Stanwyck's comic boyfriend in the film The Lady of Burlesque. His career in films waned, oh, in the early 50s, and he took many roles in television. He acted in TV programs such as the Ethel Barrymore Theater, Damon Runyon Theater, Schlitz Playhouse of Stars, the Revlon Mirror Theater, and Dactari. I don't remember him in Dactari. He also starred, as I was talking about earlier, in the NBC sitcom television series It's a Great Life from 1954 to 1956. He played Denny Davis, a former GI trying to find a civilian job. And as I mentioned earlier, Francis Bavier played his first landlady. Let's see. In his personal life, he was married twice. His first wife uh, he had two children with, Grace Watts. They divorced in 1947. His second wife was actress Virginia Mayo. And he married her in 1947. Hmm, he divorced Grace in 1947. Married Virginia Mayo in 1947. Something funny there. He met Mayo while he was filming the movie Jack London in 1943. They subsequently appeared on uh, stage together in such productions as George Washington Slept Here, Tunnel of Love, and Fiorello. They had one child, Mary Catherine O'Shea. Boy, (laughs) is that a good Italian name? who was born in 1953. They remained married until December 4th, 1973, when O'Shea died from a heart attack. And that was in Dallas, Texas. Good guy. Uh, Just a little bit about that uh, show, It's a Great Life. Now, keep in mind, Frances Bavier played in this six years before she was cast as Aunt B on the Andy Griffith Show. But she played a very similar role. She was the owner of a boarding house. She starred as Amy Morgan, who, like we said, owned a boarding house. Harry Harvey portrayed Mr. Russell, a neighbor. 
Two of her tenants were returning World War II veterans played by William Bishop and Michael O'Shea in the role of Steve Connors and Danny Davis, or Denny Davis, respectively. I can still picture uh, William Bishop, and I was wondering what happened to him. And he was a tall, nice-looking guy, and he, he died at age 41. He died very young. I'm not too sure what happened. Anyway, James Dunn, the great character actor, remember from A Tree Grows in Brooklyn? James Dunn played Amy's brother-in-law, Earl, and I I remember that to this day, Earl. And I remember my dad joking about uh, knowing a lot of Earls, because Earl was something of a deadbeat, often pushing get-rich schemes to entice Steve and Denny. Steve and Denny are single in the series, and in their spare time, they seek the companionship of women, including Amy's beautiful daughter, Kathy K. Morgan, played by Barbara Bates. Bates appeared in 26 episodes. I can still see her. Still see her. Guest stars included Parley Bear, Angie Dickinson, King Donovan. Remember King Donovan? Phyllis Coates, the original um, Lois Lane on Superman. Richard Deacon from Dick Van Dyke. Uh, Joseph Kearns, who we heard as the announcer in tonight's suspense. Nancy Culp. Remember Nancy Culp? Joy Lansing. Remember the Oh, boy, the gorgeous blonde that used to be on Love That, Bob. Nancy Culp, of course, was in the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Lyle Talbot. Lyle Talbot was uh, in, uh, oh, among other shows, he was in uh, Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. This series was filmed at the Hal Road Studios in Culver City. David Rose, the arranger for the Red Skelton Show, is particularly cited for his theme music composition on this series. It's Great Life aired at 10.30 p.m. on uh, Tuesdays, opposite CBS's See It Now. In the second season, the series switched to 7 p.m. on Sundays. With the switch in time, it aired opposite the second season of Lassie on CBS. Don't remember that. Anyway, so those are just memories of my childhood and maybe yours, too. Michael O'Shea, great actor, uh, always a fun kind of role, brought a lot of fun to a role. Thus we close out our show for Tuesday, July the 6th, 2021. But don't be sad. Don't be sad. We'll be back tomorrow with an old-time radio mystery. And to top that off, we're going to come back on Thursday again with an old-time radio western. So we know you're going to join us. So only your withdrawal won't be too great. You'll only have about 20 hours or so until, until we're back again. We're going to go out tonight with a couple of songs from 1947. The first one is from Arthur Godfrey, and it was a top-selling song in 1947, and it is about as politically incorrect as you could possibly get, because it's talking about a fat girl. Can you imagine that? The song is about a fat girl, and the fact that, well... You listen to the lyrics. And then we're going to follow that up. By the way, Arthur Godfrey, when I lived in New York back in 68 to 72, he was still on the radio then. And I remember him, I guess my first introduction to him was on Candid Camera as the host 
he and Alan Funt would talk about what they were going to play. But everything I've ever read about Arthur Godfrey, and even listening to him on the radio, I don't think he was a very nice guy. I just don't think he was a very nice guy. Then we're going to follow that up with an, uh, another uh, big hit from 1947 by Danny Kaye, who was a very nice guy. And he was very, very involved in UNICEF and the, you know, the children of the world, the poor children of the world. And he was a goodwill ambassador for, for UNICEF. And every, I was actually on a plane with him one time. We were coming back from, uh, that was probably Chicago. I want to say it was in Canada. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But he was on the plane and Martha Ray was on the plane with him. And um, I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but everybody loved Danny Kaye. And he had a big hit record. He was backed up by the uh, Andrews sisters on this one. And it's a bit of a novelty song, too. But that's, that was kind of big back in 1947. Okay, that's it. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by. And I am so glad you met me. Sing it right away Now here is what you say So sing it while you may Here's a silly jingle You can sing it night or noon Here's the words, that's all you need Cause I just sang the tune Oh, I don't want her You can have her She's too fat for me She's too fat for me She's too fat for me I don't want her You can have her She's too fat for me She's too fat, she's too fat, she's too fat for me I get dizzy, I get numbo When I'm dancing with my jum jum jumbo I don't want her, you can have her She's too fat for me, she's too fat for me She's too fat for me I don't want her, you can have her She's too fat for me She's too fat, she's too fat, she's too fat for me Up a hill. <laughs> no, 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 no. Can she dance a quadrille? No, 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 no. Does she fit in your coop? By herself, she's a group. Could she possibly sit upon your knee? No, no, no. We don't want her, you can have her, she's too fat for me. And she's too fat for me. But she's just right for me. <laughs> we don't want her, you can have her, she's too fat for me. 
Yeah, she's too fat. Much too fat. But she's just right for me. She's so charming. And she's so winning. <laughs> but it's alarming when she goes in swimming. We don't want her. You can have her. She's too fat for me. <laughs> she's too fat for me. But she's just right for me. So I sure want her. You can't have her. She's just right for me. <laughs> but she's too fat. But she's not too fat. She's just right for me. <laughs> She's a twosome, she's a foursome If she'd lose some, I would like her more Some I don't want her, you can have her She's too fed for me She's too fed for me <laughs> She's too fed for me I don't want her, you can have her She's too fed for me She's too fat, much too fat She's too fed for me Hey! Morning, a missionary advertised with neon sign. He tells the native population that civilization is fine. And three educated savages holler from a bamboo tree. That civilization is a thing for me to see. So, bongo, 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 I don't want to leave the Congo. Oh, no, 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 no. Bingo, bango, bungle, I'm so happy in the jungle I refuse to go. Don't want no bright lights, false teeth, doorbells, landlords, I make it clear. That no matter how they coax him, I'll stay right here. I look through a magazine the missionary's wife concealed. Magazine? What happens? I see how people who are civilized bung you with automobiles. You know you can get hurt that way, Daniel? At the movies they have got to pay many coconuts to see. What do they see, Donnie? Uncivilized pictures that the newsreel takes of me. So, bongo, 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 he don't want to leave the Congo. No, 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 no. Bingo, bongo, bongo, he's so happy in the jungle, he refused to go. Don't want no penthouse, bathtub, streetcars, taxis, noise in my ear. So no matter how they coax him, I'll stay right here. They hurry like savages to get aboard an iron train. The Tringalingo Hula Humble Express. And though it's smoky and it's crowded, they're too civilized to complain. When they've got two weeks' vacation, they hurry to vacation ground. What do they do, Donnie? They swim and they fish, but that's what I do all year round. So, bongo, 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 I don't want to leave the Congo. No, 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 no. Bingo, bongo, bongo, I'm so happy in the jungle I refuse to go. Don't want no jailhouse. Shotgun. Fish hooks. Golf clubs. I got my spears. So no matter how they coax him, I'll stay right here. They have things like the autumn bomb. 
So I think I'll stay where I am. Civilization, I'll stay right here.